Well, good morning again, New Covenant Church. We've already welcomed in our family over at the north, and, uh, but I do want to say, everybody, welcoming online, if you're joining us, just tuning in, or maybe you're watching this a little bit later, we're so grateful that you're with us this morning. I don't want you to miss this opportunity, South. I know how much you love telling the North Campus how much you love them, so let's do that this morning. Let's tell them how much we love them. We love you so much. I wish you could see their faces. Uh, they do love you. Even if they've never met you, they do love you. Um, we are in a time, as you know, of 21 days of prayer and fasting, and we're entering into the second week of that. And I first just want to say I'm so proud of all of you guys for leaning in. Many of you, so many of you between our North and our South campuses have been joining us at 6.30 a.m. on Monday through Friday for a time of prayer and worship. And uh, you've been joining online. I just want to encourage you to continue in that. You're creating some spiritual habits that are incredibly important for your life, and I know it's been maybe a little bit different, maybe a little more challenging getting up a little bit earlier. You can always tell the days, like about Thursday, it's kind of, that's when it becomes a little bit more difficult, but you finished strong, and I want to encourage you, we'll be back tomorrow morning praying as well at 6.30 a.m. In last week, the fast, uh, I said in the first service last week it was movies and television, but I was wrong because the book said social media, so... This week is movies and television, and last week was social media. So if you got it backwards, just flip it, or really just do them all. Like, it's okay. You can just continue to do them. It would not hurt you any. Uh, in fact, I'm going to continue to stay off of social uh, media for the 21 days. And many of you are doing maybe food fasts as well the whole time. So I want to encourage you, stay strong in that. There's some encouraging things for you in this booklet about fasting. Uh, and then I also just wanted to highlight this as well. We have these Pray First booklets available for you, actually all year round in the lobby. And they're just uh, great resources for you on prayer and scriptures and knowing how to pray. And I would encourage you, if you don't have one, to pick one up and keep it with you wherever you pray at home. It's just a good resource when you run into something and you're like, okay, let me, let me pull this open and kind of get a little more study on prayer. Because we want prayer to be our first response, not our last response, right? Oftentimes we only turn to prayer when something's wrong. But prayer is our relationship with God, and so it's where we go first. And then this 21 days, we're ending, the, culminating it really on January 21st with uh, what we call a presbytery. And it's the first time that we've done this. But January 21st, we'll be having a presbytery service at the South Campus here at the South. And we're actually going to have two in that day. Uh, one is going to be at 10 a.m. And I know that a lot of people are working or at school, so you cannot make that that one uh, is geared for our staff, but anybody is welcome to come to that. And then there's a 7 p.m. one here at the South Campus, and we will have child care from zero through five years old for that evening. But that service is a time of worship, and we're bringing some people in from Gateway who move in the prophetic, and we're going to hear from them and hear some prophetic words. And uh, we have Mark Job coming in, who is Carrie Job's father. Uh, we have Bill Leckie coming in. He was a uh, presbyter at Gateway, moved into prophetic at Gateway as well. And then Lisa Corley from Gateway coming in as well. So you guys don't want to miss uh, the 21st. It's going to be an awesome time as we've been seeking the Lord, listening to him. What do you want for our lives? We're going to have some people come in and also uh, hear, for God, hear from God with us and for us. So make sure you make plans to attend that. Okay, I want to continue, though. In our series on more, that is the word that God gave me for this year for our church and for our family is more. And it came from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. It's kind of our theme verse for the year. Is now to him 
who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Every time I read that scripture, I just get a little more fired up. Because God wants to do more in your life than you could ever even imagine. Like, you don't even know how to ask. I was praying about that this last week. I was like, God, how do I even ask for more? I don't even know how to ask. Because what I have in my mind for more is not even what you have in your mind for more in my life. Because it's based on what I think I can do. But that's according to his power that's at work within us. And what I love so much about this is that it's so that he will get the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout generations. See, we serve a God who is a generational God. He works in generations so that his name will be proclaimed forever and ever and ever. Amen. And my prayer is, is that our church would be a church that works generationally. That God, we profess the glory of God from one generation to the next. His good works from one generation to the next. And so I pray that during this series and during this year that your faith level for more begins to rise, that you begin to expect God for more than you could ever ask or imagine. That should excite you a little bit. If it doesn't, you need to check your pulse today because God wants to do more. And last week we talked about the miracle of more from the five loaves and the two fish and how God multiplied more from that very little. Today I want to Look in the Old Testament in 2 Kings chapter 4. If you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn there. Actually, I have a a lot of scripture today, so you can also follow along in you version. So if you don't have time to flip back and forth, it'll be there. We'll also put it on the screen. But I'm so, I love this story in 2 Kings chapter 4. It's a story of Elisha and this woman. Uh, In verse 1, it says this One day, The widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband, who served you, is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come, threatening to take my two sons as slaves. Quick side note, many scholars believe that that man who died, the widow, was married to Obadiah. Obadiah was a prophet, and he has his own book in the Old Testament and knew Elisha, but it's just fascinating to me. But verse 2 Elijah answers, look at what he says. What can I do to help you, Elisha asked. Tell me, what do you have in the house? Now, this is fascinating to me because he asked a question and then he answered his question with another question. Uh, it would be like you coming to me and saying, man, we're really in a financial, bad, bad financial situation. And I go, hey, just tell me how I can help you. Have you thought about a second job? <laughs> Didn't even give you a chance to answer. It sounded like I was going to help you. Then you asked, no, no, wait, what do you, what can you do here? And that's what Elisha is asking her. He says, well, what do you have in the house? What can you sell on eBay? <laughs> Some of you need to do that this year. Um, and look at what she says. Nothing at all. I, I have nothing except a flask of olive oil. So I do actually have something. And Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. So she did as she was told. And her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. 
and then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now sell the olive oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left over. What an incredible miracle that she had so little, and, and when she began to pour that, God did more. Again, this is the same principle what we talked about last week is that God is always interested in using what you already have to do the miracle of more in your life. And what you have, you never feel like is enough because she said, it's nothing. So many times we think we have nothing and God's saying, what do you actually already have? No matter how little it may seem, you've got to trust that I'm the God of more. And I could talk about that today and we would all get real excited. But there's another part in this story that really fascinated me. Because as I was reading this story, the thing that is most incredible to me is when she made space for more, the oil started flowing. And when she ran out of space, the miracle stopped. So the miracle started when she made room for more, and the miracle stopped when she had no more room. The room between where we are now and where the miracle can happen in our life, I think, is called margin. Margin is the space between where you are and where your limit is. If you want to see God do something in your life, if you want to see more, you've got to have some margin in your life for the miracle of more to happen. You know, I, a week ago or so, uh, my family and I, we share an iCloud storage plan. So across all of our devices, we share online storage somewhere in the cloud. And my wife and kids love to take pictures and videos, of long lengths of videos. And so it just fills up the space. And I kept getting alerts last week. Your space is gone. Your iCloud storage is full. You cannot save anything new to this device. In fact, I couldn't even save my message last Sunday to my devices because it was full. So what did I have to do? I had to go in and start deleting things. I had to go in and start moving some things, right? I had to make some room because the truth is you cannot receive anything more until there's room to receive something more. God cannot give you new opportunities if you have no room for more opportunities in your life. God cannot bring you anything more into your life until you create the space for something more. And when it comes to margin, here is the truth I know in every single one of our lives is when, when you don't have margin, two things happen. Stress increases and relational intimacy decreases. When there is no margin in any area of your life, your stress level increases. And when your stress level increases, you push people away and your relational intimacy with God and with people decreases. When there's no space in your life, the very things that you want, you push away. And the very things you don't want is what you get. You don't want stress and you end up with it. And the very things you want is a better relationship with God and people you don't get. We've got to create margin in our lives and the miracle of more will happen when we create room for God to move and so what I want to do today is give you just some couple of practical areas and there's a number of areas that you could do this in but I think that there are two main areas that if you will make room in your life if you'll create margin in these areas you will see the miracle of more in your life this year and the first one is this is we need to make room in our schedule the reason we have stress in our life is because there's no room in our schedule. There's no margin with our time. See, our culture will push us to live beyond our ability in every area, to redline on our schedule, to live our lives to the brim, doing anything and everything that comes 
to us. Every opportunity that comes to us, we take and we run around crazy, filling our lives with schedules because somebody has a plan for your time. The reason our schedules are full is because somebody else wants your time. And if you don't have a plan for it, they certainly do, and you'll just take their plan, and all of a sudden, you're, you will have no margin in your time. And the reason I think that we do this in our schedule, that we run at this level, is really rooted in fear. Fear is the driver for an overfilled, overscheduled life. You say, fear, what are you talking about? I'm not. Well, let me give you some areas that maybe it is. One would be fear of missing out. When we're afraid we're going to miss out on something, we just take on more. We keep doing more. Fear of our kids missing out is a big one. Well, they got to be a part of that. If, they don't, if, they don't, if they're not a part of that, they're going to miss out. And then the kids have a fear of missing out. We call it FOMO, right? They have this fear of missing out. They're like, well, i got to do this. And so the parents are like, well, they can't miss out on that. And so we fill our lives and our schedules running around crazy so that they don't miss out on something. In reality, we're actually missing out on life because our schedules are so full. I have a friend, uh, he's one of our elders, Brandon Greer. He doesn't ever have FOMO. He says it's JOMO. He has joy of missing out. <laughs> some of us need to get the joy of missing out on some things, right? He sa I said, well, what are you talking about? He said, well, it, and there's joy of missing out because I'm not stressed if I'm missing out on something else. I, that's, I don't even know about it. That's okay, you know. Some of us need to say, hey, we got to just slow some things down. Fear of missing out on something will drive you to fill your schedule to the brim with everything. It's actually past what you're able to do to be a part of everything. Another fear would be fear of falling behind. Comparison to other people brings this fear of falling behind their status or what they're doing. Well, they're doing it. We got to do it. And they're doing it. So if, if I don't do it, then I'm going to be falling behind and I'll steadily have to keep looking up at every, all of their accomplishments and all of their achievements and I'll be falling too far behind them. And that actually leads to the third one, which is fear of not mattering. That if nobody sees me in, in everything that I'm doing, then, then they won't think I'm important. If my schedule's full and I'm busy all the time, people will think I'm important. So fear of not mattering causes us to fill our schedules so full. In reality, we actually miss out on the things that do matter because of our own fear of not mattering. And all of those things will put stress on our relationships so that we don't end up spending time with God or with people. And when we do spend time with them, we're not actually present because we're just thinking about the next thing we got to do and we're trying to check this off the list so we can move to the next thing. And so there's tension and then there's stress and then there's relational intimacy is gone and those, it's a vicious circle. I love the way Ephesians 5, 15, and 16 says it. It says, look carefully then how you walk or how you live. Not as unwise, but wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. In other words, we live in a world that is getting worse, not better. And so how we spend our time really matters. What we're doing with our schedule really matters. We got to be careful. We got to examine on a regular basis. How are we living? What are we doing? What are we giving our time to? And so today I want us to consider what are some things that really matter? I can give you just a few. You can jot down if you're taking notes. But I would just say the number one thing that really matters that you need to give your time to is time with God. Everything else won't matter if you're not giving your time to God first. And that is really what 21 days of prayer is all about for us is we are creating that time in our schedule that was previously not there so that we can create a habit of making room for him in our schedule beyond the 21 days. We're just trying to create that habit during so that this carries throughout the year, giving God, giving God your time. 
Another one would be times of rest, intentional times of rest. See, when our schedules are so full, we don't take time to rest. We don't take a Sabbath like the Scripture talks about. And a Sabbath doesn't mean you just sit around and you lay on the couch and you do nothing. I mean, that might be your Sabbath. But you get to spend time with the people you care about. You get, to, you get to spend time without a schedule where you're not trying to make appointment after appointment after appointment, but you're with somebody and you're able to enjoy that time together and you're able to intentionally rest with your family. You, some of you need to set that time into your schedule this year. Time with God's people. This is an incredibly important one. A lot of times we gloss over this that we'll fill our schedules up that we never take intentional times together with God's people, but it's with God's people, the scripture says, that we're encouraged, that we're built up, that our faith is built up. Paul talks about, I long to be with you in his letters, he says, I long to be with you so that we could refresh each other. There's a refreshing that comes with the body of Christ. Obviously, here on a Sunday morning is a great way, it's one of the ways we do that, make time in your schedule for this, but also Groups are a great way for this. It's intentional time in your schedule where you say, I'm going to fellowship with the body of Christ. I'm going to be together with God's people. You know, it's where we're built up as living stones together for the presence of God. It's incredibly important. But one of the things I think we miss out in our schedules because our schedules are so full is the God interruptions. You know, I, I think God is interrupting our schedule a lot more than we recognize because we don't recognize it. I think opportunities are often there for these divine interruptions, but we rush right past them because we're too busy. Maybe God has dropped somebody in your mind and you're supposed to call them or text them and you say, I'll get to that later because I'm too busy now and then you never do. Or maybe somebody's in the hospital and you're like, I need to go by and pray for them, but you never do. Or maybe some, some incident occurs during the day, but you're, you're so full in your schedule, you can't take time to stop and go help that person or pray for them or take care of them. And and what ends up happening when we have no margin in our schedule, the divine appointments that God has for us become frustrating roadblocks for us. That we're just trying to get out of the way so we can get on to our life when God's saying, I have more for you if you'll listen to what I'm trying to tell you in this moment. The miracle of more comes when we create margin in our schedule. In Psalm 90, 12, it says, teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. To know that our days are finite so that, that wisdom will then guide how we spend our days. Remembering that our time is limited will give us wisdom to know how to spend our limited time. And what I've found is that when people are at the end of their life, when they're on their deathbed to say, you know what they don't say? Wish I would have had a busier schedule. I sure wish I would have worked more. I wish I'd have been at the office every day for 12 hours a day. They don't say that. What they say is, I wish I would have spent more time with family. I wish I would have made more time to be with God's people. I wish I would have done more for God's kingdom. I wish I would have spent more time thinking about others. I wish I would have had more time to do something that mattered. And the reason I'm bringing this to you, and it may feel heavy, is because I want you to spend your time on what matters. And I want you to ask God what should I spend my time on that matters? And so in order to do that, you have to say no to good things to say yes to the best things. Some of you, this year is your year to say yes, and some of you, this is your year to say no. You got to learn to say no to some things. And what those things are, you need to ask the Lord about. Are they advancing what you want, God? Is this in line with what you want? So just some practical things to think about is what are you doing that you need to quit doing? As we're starting this year, we're only in the second Sunday of the year, 
What am I doing that I need to quit doing? Or what am I not doing that I'm supposed to start doing? Or maybe it's not that extreme. Maybe you need to ask God, what am I doing that I need to emphasize a little bit more in my life? Or what am I doing that I need to emphasize a little less in my life? Maybe you're not supposed to completely stop it or start it. Maybe you just need to give more time or attention to it. And I want to encourage you, seek the Lord on this in this 21 days. Ask him, how do you want me to spend my time so I create margin and space in my time for you to move so that you can create more of what you want in my life not more of what I want in my life. So make room in your schedule. That will decrease your stress quite a bit, just that one. Here's the second area and the second main area, I think, that brings stress and financial or relational intimacy decreases is your finances. you got to make room in your finances. Now, from a practical standpoint, I could teach an entire class. In fact, I have before on just the practical ways to manage your finances. But margin in your finances from a practical standpoint is just living within your means. It is spending less than you make, right? It is creating room from where you make and, and spend to where your cap or your limit is. And to do this, you need a budget. I know that that's a bad word for many people, but it is a great word. You need a budget. Now, I'm not going to teach you how to have a budget today, but if you don't know how, someone here at the church can help you. There are a lot of people who would love to help you do something practical like this so that you don't spend everything you have. This is just the most natural, practical advice I could give you. But Scripture backs this up. Proverbs 21.20 says, Precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. The New Living says that fools spend whatever they get. Don't just spend everything you have that comes in. Say, God, what am I supposed to do with it? I love Leviticus 23. I don't have time to get into it, but you may jot it down and read it. Leviticus 23, in verse 22, I think, start, God is telling the children of Israel, when you go out to harvest the crops that you have planted, don't reap the entire harvest. Leave some room on the edges. Leave some margin on the edges. Don't don't harvest everything. And he says that area is for foreigners and for people who are poor. What is he saying? Create some room for me to do something with the margin that you have created. See, if you spend everything you have and you harvest everything that you have, you don't leave any room for God to do the miracle of more. And the reason I think we don't have any margin in our budget or in our finances is because we listen to the voice of culture that is always pushing us to get more for us, yeah. right? You need to go buy more. You deserve it. Your neighbor has this. You got to have this. And if some is good, you need more of it, right? We, that's actually how infomercials go. Well, if you want two, you might as well get three, and you just keep getting more. <laughs> and so you just want more and more and more. And it's like you're just grasping after all of these things that you think are going to satisfy you, and it takes you to your limit or many times beyond your limit into debt over something you really didn't need to start with. And I love the way that Ecclesiastes 4, 6 says it. It says, better one handful with tranquility or peace than two handfuls with toil and chasing the wind. In other words, better a little and you have peace in your life. You've got some margin in your life than you have two handfuls and you're just constantly working nonstop and it's like chasing the wind. Chasing the wind means you can't catch the wind. In other words, you'll never be happy. It'll never be enough. And you'll just keep constantly grasping. And I think in all of our grasping after two handfuls of what we want, we never stop to ask God, what does he want? What do you want me to do 
with these resources that you have entrusted to me. And here is the spiritual aspect of it is, is that more comes by putting God first. More comes by putting God first. And in, in reference to worrying about things in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is telling them, listen, I, I know you, you care about what you eat. I know you care about what clothes you have. And I know about, you care about where you're going to live and all those things. But he's telling you, don't worry about those things. Your father knows. Don't worry about those things. What he did was he was redirecting our focus. And this really is a life verse for me. And I would encourage you to make it a life verse for you. But in Matthew 6, he tells them, seek first the kingdom of God. This is what you need to focus on above all those things. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. All the things that you need, all the things that you want will be added to you when you change your focus and you put me first. Because here's what I know about your finances. And here's what I know about every area of your life. Whatever you go after first, whatever you put the, the focus as first is what you identify as your source in your life. If you, if you put money first and your happiness first, you will organize all of your life around money and happiness trying to gain it. But when you put God first, you begin to organize the rest of your life around God and what he wants first. And that's where the miracle of more can happen in your life is when he's first in every area. That's called the first fruits principle, by the way. I love to talk about the first fruits principle. I would love to preach an entire message today on the first fruits principle. But it is seen all throughout the scripture from Genesis to Revelation. And the first fruits principle is simply whatever you bring to God first, the rest will be blessed. And it's got to be the best, according to Scripture. So it's not just the first of my worst. It is the best and the first. Amen. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 says it this way. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all of your produce. Now look what happens. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. That is more language, right? When you bring me the first of everything that you have, your, there will be plenty and there will be bursting in your life. Those are more language. This is where the miracle of more happens. And I'm telling you, it starts with the tithe. Because if you don't bring God the first in your tithe, he cannot bless the rest in your life. We get that from Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. It's a famous scripture that says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Now, tithe simply means tenth. It just means 10%. And, and I, I don't have time to teach on it this morning. But the tithe, I think, is a representation of your heart to God, that he says, bring me the whole tithe because he really wants your whole heart because will you trust me first is what he's asking. Will you trust me with your heart? Will you trust me in, with your schedule? Will you trust me with your finances? If you bring it all to me, I will do more. Now, look at what he says here. If you bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, he says, test me in this. The only place in Scripture that we're told to test God. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be, say that word, room enough to store it. Amen. That's plenty. Amen. That if you trust me with the tithe, I'm going to throw open the floodgates of heaven and there will be room for more because you've created margin in your finances by trusting me first. The rest is blessed. Whatever you offer to God, the rest is blessed. And that's an illustration in my life, too, of how he can do a lot more with my very little than I can do. In his hands, he multiplies it. In my own life, I can tell you story after story after story of my tithe and what God did with it. The miracle of more that doesn't make sense. I remember I grew up learning to tithe. My parents always taught me to tithe whatever I got. 
They wanted me to tithe off of it, and I did. And, and I saw miracles of, like, even as a kid where, like, someone would put an envelope with cash in it in the uh, mailbox, and I was, like, 10 years old. So, but I tithed that day, and God was just reinforcing to me, I'm going to multiply whatever you trust me with. So when I graduated college and I moved to Houston, I had started a business, and I wasn't making any money, so I could not tithe. I wasn't meaning like I was making a little bit. Like, I, had, I wasn't making any. I wasn't getting a paycheck. There was no money, okay? Some people are like, oh, I wasn't making any money except I got some oil, like that lady. Like, you got something, right? If you get a paycheck, you're making something. I wasn't getting a paycheck. We were being floated by my parents and his parents, my partners. But I remember the first time that I actually was able to tithe off of something I made. There was this incredible joy in my heart because I was like, while I didn't still have anything... I was, it meant I made something. It meant God had provided something for me. So it was, I was joyfully giving the tithe. And that started this pattern in my life for over 30 years where I have been watching this over and I wasn't in college 30 years ago. Let me clarify that. I've been, I'm not that old. <clears throat> it was like last year. No, um, it, was, it was longer, somewhere between last year and 30 years ago. Okay. You can do the math later. Not the point. The point is, the point is, that started this pattern where I watched God incredibly do more. And so much so that when I would go, I'm a big budgeter. So when I would go and look at my budget and I would be like, I spent this, I made this, how do I have this? It did not make sense because God's math is not our math. It was so confusing at times. I would call the bank and be like, are you sure I have this much money? And they were like, yes. And I'm like, I'm looking at the statement. And they were like, it's there. And I would be like, I'm no more questions asked. You know, like, <laughs> I checked, is this being recorded so that you know, you know. But this is true. This has happened over and over and over again in my life. I cannot explain it. And from that moment, it's just been the miracle of more and over and over again because I put him first. The question I want to ask you today is, is there room in your finances for God to do more? If there's no margin, he's never going to do more. If you've not created that space to trust him, he won't do more. In fact, this probably just a couple weeks ago, I was talking with Tandra as we were just praying about the next year. And I was asking her, I was saying, I really want to look at our, our schedule this year. And I really want to look at our budget this year. And I want to make sure that we have room, we have margin for God to do what he wants to do. And so we've already taken some steps in that direction. The schedule one is very difficult for me. That's the one I'm working on. But several years ago, uh, we, we had slowly been creating more and more margin in our budget that we actually put a line item into our budget called a Bless-A-Life Fund, where we actually schedule in part of our budget that if God tells us to do something with it, we'll do it because we know that if we don't create room to do it, he's not going to ask you to give away something if you're in debt and you have no margin in your budget. But if you want to be a part of the miracle of more, you got to create some room. And that may be as practical as just setting aside some resources per month to say, God, I want to, whatever you want with this, I want to be available. I want to be available for you to do more. But here's the truth. This is the part no one likes. In order to have more, in order to create margin, you have to cut some things back. That's the hardest part. Cutting something back, especially in our finances. Cutting something back or allowing God to say, what do you want to remove so that you can do more? And this is a very biblical principle. In John chapter 15, verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. 
He cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce, everybody say that together, even more. He cuts back so there can be more. That doesn't make sense in our natural mind. But if you think about just the imagery that Jesus was saying here with plants, sometimes you can look at a plant and not recognize what on that plant is not bearing fruit. It may look okay. It may be filler on the plant. There may be some branches that are just kind of full over here, but there's no fruit on it when you examine it closer. And I would venture to guess that if you were to look at your schedule, if you were to look at your budget, you would realize there's some things that are just filling up time, that are just filling up space, but they're not really producing any fruit in your life. They're not doing anything for you that advances the kingdom of God in your life. And God's saying, what... What maybe could you cut back on? In fact, this last Wednesday night at our first Wednesday service, which is always an incredibly powerful service, and I was worshiping. I was in a time of worship, and I was kneeling right over here. And we were singing the song, Make Room. And I was just kneeling. I was just saying, Lord, I want to make room for you. Like, whatever you want. Like, I want to make room for you. And I heard, I heard the voice of the Father. It was so gentle. It was so loving, and he said, son, I want to cut some things back in your life, but it's going to hurt a little. And here's the part that got me. He said, is that okay? He didn't have to ask me if it was okay. But he said, it's going to hurt. Is that okay? And here's what I found out about the father in that moment is that he's not going to just cut things out of your life that, may, that, that you don't want out. You've got to want it out. He's saying, is it okay? It's like a splinter in your kid's hand and you walk up and you go, hey, I'm going to remove this. It's going to hurt. Is, is it okay if I do that right now? He didn't have to say, is it okay? But it revealed his heart to me because he wanted to do more. He wants to do more in my life, but he's not going to force it on me. I got to be willing. And I got to say, yeah cut away whatever you want. And that's what I said. So, Lord, I don't even know what it is yet that he's going to prune. I don't even know what areas he wants me to cut back. But I said, yes, because I know that you will do more than what I can do if you cut some things out of my schedule. And this is really what I, the heart for today is. What areas are filling your schedule, that are filling your budget, but aren't producing anything fruitful in your life that you need to say no to so you can say yes to some God things this year. Because more is never the problem with our God. More is never the problem. He is the God of more. Space is the problem. Margin is the problem. And just like in the story we read earlier that God will continue to fill whatever you empty for him. He will fill your life. He will fill your time. He will fill your finances. He will fill your relationships as long as you make space. I put it this way in my notes. He will pour his oil into the space we make available to him. He will pour his oil of favor. He will pour his oil of blessing. He will pour his oil of anointing into the areas that we make space for him and say, God, I'm going to make room in my life for whatever you want to do and watch him multiply what you thought you didn't even have to start with. How many of you would say today, God, I, wanna, I want to make that room in my life. I, I'm, I'm committed to making room in these areas to watch you do the miracle of more. If that's you, would you stand with me at both campuses? 
And I want you to ask God. I want to have a transaction with God here because I do believe that he wants to pour his oil into your life this year. I believe that he wants to do the miracle of more than you could ever ask or imagine, but he needs the, t- the space to do it. He needs you to create the space and trust him to fill it with what needs to be there. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. And I just want you to interact with him right now. God, we, we just come to you, Father, and we say fill our lives, fill our, fill our hearts, God. We want to be a people who've made room for you to do whatever you want to do, God. We don't want our schedule to be so full, God, we miss out on divine appointments. We don't want our schedule to be so full, God, we have no time for you, Lord. And we, and we marginalize you and push you to the side. And when, when you're saying, if you'll make room for me, I'll just keep pouring into your life. I'll just keep pouring, God. We don't want the oil to stop. So as long as we keep making space for you, God, you'll keep pouring into it in every area of our life. Just ask God right now, what areas, God, what areas are you asking me to cut back? And listen to him. Listen to whatever he says and make a commitment. I'm going to do that. I'm going I'm to make room in that area. And I'm going to trust you that you will do more than I could ever ask or imagine so that you can get the glory in my life. And God, we want to just give you praise in advance for what you are already doing, what you have yet to do, God, because you are the God who brings more. And we can't do it on our own, so we trust you with it. In the Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we take some time and finish this time together in worship by just telling God, make room in our life. Make some space in our life. You transact with God and let's worship him one more time. Whatever you want to, to do whatever you want. Sing it with me. I will make. Oh, I will make room for you. Yeah. To do whatever you want to. To do whatever you
Thanks for joining us today. I pray this message encouraged you, inspired you, and maybe even challenged you a little bit. If you made a decision for Jesus, we are celebrating with you. Welcome to the family of God. We would love to know about it. So message us online or you can text yes card to 903-200-3808 and let us know what decision you made. We wanna come alongside you, help you find a local church. It's very important to be connected to the local body of Christ, whether with us or somewhere else. So let us know so we can help you and let you know your next steps with Jesus. I'd love to see you real soon in person, but until then, know that I'm praying for you. I'm praying God's best in your life. God bless you.